Discovering your passion and purpose with Patty. And I am Patty Stoolin, the Chief Pathfinder of Pathways with Patty. And here on Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose, uh, it has been remarkable all the amazing guests I have been able to have on this podcast. And today is no exception to that rule. Uh, in fact, I cannot believe that we are already to um, episode number, I think this is now uh, 13 or 14. And what a perfect guest to add to our list of extraordinary people who have been sharing their stories about challenges that they have faced throughout their life. And yet through all of those challenges, they have still managed to uh, discover or rediscover or continue to have the same passion and purpose and not let those challenges stop them. Uh, my wonderful guest today is someone who I actually have known for quite a few years, but I didn't really know her. I knew her in our school district uh, as kind of a, a, a special ed guru, and everybody in the district knew who Maria Akpara was. Uh, and But I never really knew her until probably within the last year when uh, I extended an offer for her to become one of our Rad Sisters Retired Activities and Destinations, a group that I put together of retired, mainly retired school employees. Uh, and uh, Maria says, well, yes, I see all of these great things you're doing on, on Facebook and social media. I want to be a part of that. And I have to tell you, the thing that um, has been incredible to witness and be a part of over the last year that I've really gotten to know her is the fact that I always heard about what a giving person and a faith-based person that Maria is. And in everything that we have done together over the last year, I can definitely tell you that those are those are just a few of the magnificent things uh, about Maria. So Maria, I want to welcome you to Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Excellent. Well, I know that just from little things that you've shared with me over the past year and some of our friends that I, it, you have a very unique beginning, especially coming here to the United States. But I'm sure even before you ever got to the United States, that uh, your story has a plenty of, of pathways. And I know Dr. Beverly, who I just interviewed a couple of days ago, she said, I feel like I've lived many dashes throughout my lifetime. And, I'm, and I think basically talking with you last night, you kind of have that same thing. There's like all kinds of dashes that you could look at over your life of what you've done. So with that, take it away and tell us about, about you and, and your life. Well, I am, I am a little bit um, not sure where to start um, because I think my life is, uh, feels like the fingers, feels mm -hmm. like uh, different fingers to, to my life. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I, I was born in Nigeria, uh, in West Africa. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I uh, got married as a teenager. Wow! Uh, and uh, my husband uh, was in the the at the time it was Biafra War, so we oh. had a war in Nigeria at the time, civil war, and wow. so he was an officer in the artillery in Nigeria, and so um, as soon as he could leave the country, he left and uh, came to United States. And, and stationed in uh, Logan, Utah. Mm. So I had to stay in Nigeria for about eight years with his mother and lived with his, his mother in Nigeria. And, and I had, I went to school, um, you know, I went to what I will consider the elite school mm -hmm. um, for girls. Um, most right. of our schools in Nigeria at the time were um, gender-based. So oh, okay. girls, had, girls had their school, and the boys had their school, and we didn't uh, mix. Oh, wow. And so, um, but I've always wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I went to what was called a women's training college at the time. So I went to there to learn um, how to teach. I was always wanting to teach. 
There were two things I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to be a teacher or be a hairdresser. Uh, those, those are two two extreme things there. <laughs> I wanted to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't see um, a pathway for for me as a hairdresser at the time. Mm-hmm. So I became I went into teaching. Um, and I think one of the challenges that I had at the time was I was always interested in doing something different, a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, for our um, for our practicum before we could get our teaching credential at the time, you had to pick something you had never done. So I chose to teach the game of um, lawn tennis. I had never never picked up a a racket in my life, but I thought, you know what? Um, It's worth it. I want to see how I will teach it. So I taught um, playing tennis, uh, lawn tennis, and, uh, and I actually passed. Then uh, I realized at the time that I like to do things that were um, out of the norm. Mm-hmm. So I went to Advanced Teachers College because I wanted to teach at a higher level, not just the elementary level. So I went on to Advanced Teachers College and um, to study French of all languages. Wow. So I studied French and then finally joined my husband in Logan. But when I joined my husband, I did not join him as a spouse. I joined him as a student. So the United States government required that I had to be a full-time student. So I had to take 12 credits um, Mm -hmm. to maintain my um, student status. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, my first year here, I, I had my first child. And it turned out that it wasn't one child. It became two children. Oh, so I ended up having twins and uh, with no support. I didn't understand the the English. I was raised in the British system. And so the English in this country was a little hard for me. Mm. I couldn't understand the the way the words were spelled. I didn't understand the way the words were used because I was raised with the uh, Queen's English. Mm-hmm. And now I am having to learn the little idioms that went with it. Uh, so I majored in special education because I have always wanted to um, deal with people who were a little different from me mm-hmm. and, uh, and to be a voice for people who were different from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I lived in Utah and then got a job in California. Wow. When I got my job in California in Apple Valley was the first time I had been to the desert. And I recall when I first got here, um, the person who interviewed me for that position was uh, Mr. Rob Turner, Mm -hmm. that I absolutely adore. I adored him all the way to the end of his life Mm -hmm. uh, because he, um, he knew I was different, but he also gave me the opportunity. Um, and so when he moved away as a, um, as a, a principal and became a school board member, another adult in that um, system also took me in and took care of all of my professional needs. And his name was uh, uh, Dr. Virgil Barnes. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was absolutely incredible. He found ways um, to make me feel at ease. Uh, So let me go back to when I first came, when I came to United States, it was not, um, it was okay because I went to a place where we had, it was like an international airport. There were so many students from different countries of the world. Mm -hmm. And so we lived in a university town. and, And so we were still learning about everybody's culture and we were still um, absorbing everybody's culture uh, until the um, Iran issue happened. Mm. I think it was Iran when the Shah of Iran um, moved, and our next door neighbor was from Iran, and and so he started to teach. He started teaching us about a little bit about their culture because I didn't know that. I I was always I'm very curious. Anybody that knows me knows I'll ask questions, and I also will tell people ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you will get to know me as a right. 
Um, if you just hear about me, uh, then you don't really know um, the layers of who this person really is. I've always said that I will, uh, you know, it is not what people call me that matters. It is what I answer to that oh. matters. So if you call me whatever it is, um, I don't pay attention to it because mm -hmm. I'm not going to answer to it. It's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, I have always allowed people to feel that they are safe around me to ask questions, but they lose that sense of safety when they call me outside of what I have not been known to answer to. Mm -hmm. So um, when I came to California was the first time I experienced racism. Oh. And can imagine that I came all the way to United States to a place like Utah that has this story. And Utah was probably the most uh, welcoming environment I had been in. Excellent. They were just so welcoming uh, that I ended up having a woman who I called mom mm -hmm. in Utah, who had blonde hair, blue eyes, and mom took care of all of us international students. And wow. uh, when I needed a babysitter, mom would come from her center and pick up my two children and go and watch them and bring them back. And if I offered to pay her, mom would say no, that those are her grandkids. And wow. she would go to the grocery store with these two little black girl, girls and she is blonde, blue eyed. And it was no big deal. And so I didn't notice that there was anything like racism until I came here. And the fir my first experience of that was when... Um, the, you know, some parents were about to pull their children from my class because mm -hmm. I was teaching English and I didn't look like I should know how to speak English. Oh. And, and so, and I told the parents that there would be a loss for them to mm -hmm. take their children away from me um, because their children would have had the opportunity to visit another country without leaving home. Mm -hmm. I would expose them to another country and they didn't have to leave home. Well, they some of them took their kids out and by the next Monday, they came back and said their kids wanted back. And the door was always open. So they were welcome to come back into, into my class and, mm -hmm. and be my students. But one of the things that I realized in doing that was to, um, um, my first experience of having to teach people about who I really am is I always will go to our local Stater Brothers next door and borrow some, uh, I didn't borrow. I asked them if they could give me some bags, some paper bags, mm -hmm. um, and they will give me you know, empty paper bags. That was mm -hmm. because we, could, we bought bags. And, and I had all my kids like, write their names on the bottom of the bag. And on that bag, it is to tell me their story. I, as a teacher, needed to know the story of my children. Mm -hmm. I, as a teacher, also told my students a story of who I am. Mm -hmm. And on that story, that bag, because mind you, I was teaching special education. And that bag, I wanted them to put all the things that matter to them. If it's grandma's picture, if it is their first comb, if it is their favorite food, whatever it is that mattered to them, I wanted them to put it inside that bag and come back and share with me. And as they shared with me, I had a better understanding of who I was dealing with. And as you are, you are in a public speaking environment, the first thing that you do is you need to know your audience. Mm -hmm. So my goal was I needed to know the people I worked with. And I told my students when they would start out at every beginning of the school year, I would say to them, I am your teacher, but above all, you are my teachers. Wow. So I wanted them to know that there was nothing that was off limit that mm -hmm. I could, they could ask me any question, you know, um, as long as it was a safe question. They couldn't ask me if I slept with somebody last night because <laughs> I was a married woman and that's not a discussion I'm going to share with them. No. Um, but my students were, they felt safe. Uh, and I was really lucky um, because I had an outstanding instructional assistant who's currently still teaching today. 
Um, and I had her as an instructional assistant until the opportunity came for her to become a teacher at Granite Hills High School. Wow. Uh, and so she um, she became the other person that will coach me on the language barriers that I would have. Um, and you know her, Lamarche Mosley. Oh, yes. Wonderful woman. And so she coached me. Um, there are times when I would go in and the students will use the American idiom and they will say something. And I didn't, I wouldn't understand it. And I would look at her and she would say, you don't want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. I do want to know, you know, because I want to be able to follow along with this conversation. Uh, and so it was one of those uh, perfect arrangement. It was mm -hmm. almost like a marriage. Mm -hmm. and, and she became one of my best friends, um, you know. During well, I, I, I remember one of the stories that you told me was you kept hearing about Uncle Sam and you kept trying to figure out who Uncle he's Sam uncle. was. You know, how, is, how come he's your uncle? You know, because I don't have an uncle that is Sam. Um, and they always say Uncle Sam is going to take something. I say, why would he take anything? I didn't offer it. Um, you know, so I have had those experiences or when a student will come in and the student will say, uh, Miss Okwara, somebody is getting jumped in the restroom. And I did not understand that language. Mm -hmm. And I thought that jumping meant that there was a jump rope or they're jumping something. And uh -huh. the professional assistant will say, no, that means somebody is getting beaten up. I say, why didn't they just use the word beat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I have I have had the language barrier and I continue to have the language barrier because of the fact that I this is not my original language. Mm -hmm. uh, mind you, Nigeria is an English speaking country. We have a different languages, but the language they use in the classrooms are will be English. You know, so we all will know how to speak English, but we will. Um, we were supposed to speak the 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 king's English or the queen's English. Right. We weren't allowed to speak any of the idioms that is that we use now. And so I was I was really concerned that I wasn't getting through to my students. And of course, um, at the beginning of each year as well, I will contact the parents um, a, a week before, a few weeks before school started. I had a notebook, a blank notebook. And on that blank notebook, all I had was the name of the student on each, each every two pages on the blank notebook. And so as a teacher, um, I knew that my job was to take the role of a parent while the student is in my classroom. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't take the role of that parent by accident. I didn't want to learn on accident that I shouldn't have done something. So a week or two before school starts, I already have my, um, my class roster. I will contact each parent. Uh, I contacted each parent to introduce myself and to also let the parent know that, yes, I do have an accent, I own it. Mm -hmm. so, so there will be no question about where my accent is coming from. But I also wanted the, the parents to share with me what their dreams and their hopes were for their children. Wow. Uh, because some of those parents, it hit them by surprise because they will say, nobody's ever asked me that. I was, gonna, I was just going to say that. I, I, that was probably the first time those parents had ever been asked that ever. Yes. Nobody's ever asked me that. And I have to say to the parents, but you are the parent. I am just a, a part-timer. Mm -hmm. I have my own five children and, and my own five children know the rules, but their teachers don't know the rules. So I want their teachers to know what, they expect, what my expectations are for them. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm asking the parents. So I ask the parent, okay, tell me how things are going at home. What subject is your child struggling in? Uh, what subjects do you want your child to learn? Or where have you seen the gaps in, in their learning? And, and I asked the parent, who is the disciplinarian in your house? Hmm. Because that is the key. If that is, the, is not the disciplinarian, there's no point calling him when there's a problem. Right. If mom is the disciplinarian, oh, you better believe I'll call mom. 
And, <laughs> I, and at the time when I first started teaching, uh, we didn't have cell phones. We had pagers. Yeah. So I had to give all of my students my pager number. Wow. Because my pager number was an 800 number. It was an 888 number. So that meant that they had to put the number that they're calling me from. And I'll call them back. Mm -hmm. But it was a network, some place that they can always reach me if something was happening. And I always will ask the parent to do me a favor. And I know that it is not possible for them to do that favor all the time. But if your child has had a difficult morning, please let me know so that I don't make it more difficult when they arrive. Um, if something you've had a loss in your family, please let me know. Here's my pager number. Mm -hmm. um, that way I will be sensitive to what they are going through. My students, when they graduated from the junior high and were headed up to the high school, it was the worst, that was the worst experience I always had as a teacher, saying goodbye to those students because That's I had tough. bonded with them. Yeah. Um, but I always will have creative ways to teach my students when they will come into, into my class. Um, I knew that they didn't like to write. Special education students don't like to write. Okay. So I would make writing fun. Sometimes I came to class and just before the writing time, I changed my whole outfit <clears throat> and I wear some highly colorful clothes or I would dress as a clown or I dress anywhere. And I just sit down on the table and I said, I write what you see. Oh, and it forced them to tell me what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes um, I actually learned, you know, I'm not athletic in terms of American uh, sports. Um, I never knew the difference between football and soccer. Okay. In my country, soccer was what you call football. Football. Yes. So I had my students tell me, describe their favorite sport to me. They were writing me a story about their favorite sport. And that was how I learned the game of American football. That was how I learned about my American baseball. That was how I learned about the... All through their writings. All through their writings. Wow. They were welcome to write and draw the picture so I could follow along what they were saying in mm -hmm. my class as a teacher. So, but that was the fun part. Then I crossed over and became the coordinator of No Child Left Behind. That was a difficult assignment for me, uh, even though I handled it as if... Um, it wasn't difficult. It was difficult because I had gone ahead. No, I, before I became a coordinator, I was a system principal in the same school where I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. So that was challenging to be a system principal and now to manage your peers who are also your friends. Mm -hmm. But it was a little diff different because my friends already knew my style. Mm -hmm. So they knew that if you were doing something that wasn't acceptable, I was going to have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Never in public. Right. My conversations was, you know, whatever it is that you did was not, that wasn't okay. Don't mm -hmm. do it. Uh, and then I became the coordinator of No Child Left Behind. Now and I left the school site and went to the district office. Um, that was challenging because I, I think I was, I'm always supposed to be around children. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved away from children, um, it was tough. I wanted to visit school sites. Right. I wanted to go to see people, you know, just being in my small office was not enough. But I also made fast friends on the, this, at the district office building. One of them happens to now be the superintendent. Uh, and I made real fast friends. You know, mm -hmm. The clerical staff were my friends. The um, all the even the assistant superintendent was friends. You know, I just made friends uh, because uh, they knew that I was I was very quick with my mouth. Um, you know, you say something and I look at you and I have a quick comment, and it <laughs> was out of malice, but it was always quick. Right. So, but I also did learn. You know. Um, that even though 
many people saw me as somebody who had the skills in special education. I've always believed as a Nigerian that a roaring lion does not kill game or again, kill games. So wow. if you are very loud about who you are, um, pretty soon people are going to get tired of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you are, and so I use the African uh, saying, because if a lion is roaring, making all the noise in the, in the bush, there's no animal to be killed because the animals are- They've are, scattered. They've already scattered. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned to watch people a lot. You know, I walk into a room, I look at the space and I figure out who's there and I decide if I want to um, engage or not engage, but I watch. Mm -hmm. So, um, but when I, I before, and I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave my professional life on the side because I'll come back to it. Then mm -hmm. go to my personal life. Um, when I came to, um, to California, I already had three of my children were in Nigeria. Wow. That was, that was a real challenging time for me. Um, when I had my twins, it was really hard because I was getting ready um, to finish out my undergraduate program and to begin my graduate program if I was to stay in this country and needed to maintain a full-time um, college status of mm -hmm. student status. And so my mother-in-law had offered um, to take my, uh, my, my twins to help me out. So, and she did say that if I finished in a year, I could come back and get my kids. Okay. So I hurried up. I finished in a year. Oh my gosh. By the time I finished, I came back to get my children. She had become attached to my kids and refused to let me have them. Oh. So, so I couldn't have my kids. So I, um, every year I would go to ask if I could get my kids. And every year it was a no. Um, and so my kids ended up being in Nigeria. The twins ended up being in Nigeria for 12 years. Oh my goodness. I got to a point where I wanted to kidnap them, my own kids. And I, that was where I absolutely fell in love with Mr. Turner as my boss, because he was looking for ways to help me out so that I could have all my kids together. Mm. And that was when I found out that Nigeria was a paternal society, that the children belonged to their father, not their mother. Oh, It was the biggest challenge for me after having lived here for all these years to realize that the kids didn't really belong to me. So, um, wow. So then my, I went back two years after I had dropped them off, you know, going back and forth to try and ask, could I get my kids? Could I get my kids? And I made the mistake of my second year that I went, uh, I went back with my son. My son was an infant. He was probably about six months old, three or six months old. Mm -hmm. um, and I went and, and my mother-in-law said, not only am I going to hold your twins, your son stay. <gasps> so now I had, I found myself, I lost two, three kids instead of two. Oh my gosh. And so um, the only reason I believe my son, my children returned to me here in this United States was because my son was diagnosed with a deadly disease and my mother-in-law felt that my son, um, I should come and get my son. And that was where my faith came in. Now, how old was your son at the time? My son was 10. Wow. So, um, so I, I, that was where my faith really kicked in. And I had to ask God, you know, should I just go and get my son and leave the other two? Or should I insist that I get the other to mm -hmm. and in the, in between my husband and I were still having kids so I had two other kids that were already that were now in the United States one was born here in in Apple Valley um, the other was born in Utah so I um, 
you know, my faith just said, if you're going to get them, you'll have to get all three. Right. So I rounded up some money teachers in Apple Valley Junior High at the time who contributed money to help me go and get my children. Wow. So I went and I got them. And when I got them, my husband said, now that you got them, I am going to divorce you. Oh. And I said, okay. um, at least I have my kids. That's that's more important than anything. At least I have them. Well, real, real quick. So did you, I mean, did you have to kidnap the twins also? Or I mean, how, how was it that your mother-in-law decided to give the twins up? Because my son was, based on what I was told, he was going to die within six months. Okay. And so based on what I was told, I then decided I can have my son die with you, but now I'm going to blame you for his death, or you're going to have to let me have my little mm-hmm. kids. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the it was now, you know, uh, we all had to make that bold decision and so he let me she let me take my my three kids and we came back here and um, when we came back here shortly after I got served with the divorce papers um you know but when I got served with the divorce papers I decided I don't have the time to fight I don't have the time to challenge and that's one of those times when I have the African um, sayings that continues to be my bedrock. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and that saying is you, you cannot have an elephant on your head and worry about ants. So as far as I was concerned, my children were the elephants and I have no time to worry about divorce. Mm-hmm. So he's welcome to divorce me. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to challenge it. I have my children. I'll make it happen. I'll help. I'll make. I'll find ways to make it happen. Luckily, at the time, um, I had a really dear friend. Her name is Cindy, and uh, she taught me how to do coupon shopping. Oh, so we would go every night to go and learn how to do couponing, and and I'll get a car full of food. <laughs> <laughs> you're a cu- coupon queen are you <laughs> a car full of food toothpaste deodorant you name it anything you can buy for two you know uh, double your coupon we will go from store to store she was my lifesaver wow she was my absolute lifesaver and so um my children continued to stay with me but it was not easy Mm. my children the three that came from Nigeria were so used to having nannies servants chauffeur all beautiful things of life and they suddenly arrived to a place where I'm asking them to do dishes (laughs) it was a challenge um and, and I had to realize that I also grew up in that world, but I have had to find ways to grow up in this world. And I absolutely love this world and knowing that I can un- actually do my own dishes and I can actually make my own bed. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing so bad about it. Mm-hmm. it gives you strength. Um, so... Um, and I remember when he he was he wanted to divorce me, and I was willing to do just about anything to hold on, and um, and he told me that there's nothing I can say. He wants to go, and I recall coming back, you know, riding back from meeting him and nego- trying to negotiate ways for us to co-parent, and hearing this music in my car that changed everything for me. It was music by Aretha Franklin. And it says, you will never walk alone. Oh. And I, I, I listened to that and I listened again. And I said, 
God is trying to say to me, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. It may be hard. You may be struggling with how do I feed five people? Mm -hmm. How do I get up in the morning and go to work? And it was fascinating because during that time, not one single person at my place of work knew that I was going through a divorce. Wow. Because I realized that I had to go to work wearing a mask. Because I would have to put on that mask every morning to be sure that my students were getting all of me. Mm -hmm. I did not shortchange them because I had a personal life that was wearing me down. I also didn't want my colleagues to have to deal with it and everybody trying to say, I'm sorry for you. I don't know what to say to you. I know I understand because I hear so many people saying, I understand what you're going through. And I say to myself, stop lying to yourself. You don't understand. Right. They have walked a mile like that, but you don't know if I've already walked 10 miles. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to tell me you understand. Um, but I, I think it was very interesting that when my ex-husband then got sick, when he got sick, he had divorced me and carried on with life as he chose to have. Mm -hmm. I've never had to judge what his life has been. Um, when he got sick, I stopped my life. I stopped everything to care for him. Wow. So I figured that's, I made a vow when I married him that I will love him until the end. Mm -hmm. And even if he didn't love me, I was still going to love him until the end. So I put in the work to fulfill that vow, to, wow. fin to finish what I have made the promise. And that is what I find myself always doing. Um, I don't tell people we're going to be friends unless I know that it's going to be a friendship. I, you know, I have all of these things in my hand, head that says, you know, I don't tell people they are my friend. I tell them they are my sisters or they are my family. Because anything with, that is called friend always has an end to it. Mm. You know, everything yes. is, is always because it has, uh, you know, I-E-N-D. Yes. I never, even, I never even thought about that before, but wow. So it always has an end to it and somebody is going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. So I quickly, I go from friendship and I quickly transition to sister, mm -hmm. you know, or I quickly transition to family because if it has I-L-Y, it means I love you. It's not going to end. It stays there. You are, you are just blowing my mind, Maria, with those. I mean, wow. Oh, I, I mean, like Oprah would say, an aha moment for both of those. I never even thought that with friend or family, the L, uh, the I-L-Y. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I just so had you to. Just, you just have to know that when you're dealing with people, you've got to decide, uh, is this something that is going to be, you know, um, you know, pedestrian way of doing things you know you guys are going to cross the road and and everybody goes on the opposite side of the road and you call it a day or if you're going to be family you know I have mm -hmm. I have my next door I call it my next door neighbor Cecilia Gabrielson she's my family mm -hmm. we don't make anything I like but she's my family mm -hmm. I can hand her the key to my house and be sure that everything is good mm -hmm. so so that has been part of my journey um, that I have traveled. Um, and then, you know, I when I retired from the school district, I thought, oh God, I'm gonna really, you know, all these books that have been, you know, um, foster books, I have been buying books and saying, I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna read this book. I have this book too. So I had all these books ready, lined up to, to read. And, um, and I, of course I went straight to it, trying to read the books and I hate reading books. I'd rather have it read to me and I, I register so that I can ask questions in my head as I'm going. Um, I said, okay, I'm going to read books. And I started doing books. And then all of a sudden, I thought, you know what, let me see if what the story is. And I don't know if you remember Joy Viselli. Mm -hmm. Joy Viselli, I was talking to her shortly after I retired. And she says, you know what, I'm doing this thing and I'm looking for positions in a 
And I said, what, what can you possibly do? Because I really want just, just to retire and do nothing, um, which is which is the worst thing anybody can do. You yep. retire, you have to keep active. Otherwise, yep. your life will come to a screeching halt. Yes. He said she was applying to universities. I said, oh, really? You can do universities? She says, oh, yeah. So I, I, I said, sure, I'll do the same. So I applied to university. And the first university I applied to was California State University. And, and I applied that morning by about two o'clock, I got a phone call asking me if I was, if I could supervise for them. I thought, wow, I didn't know I was that, you know, you don't toot your horn. <laughs> I was that good. I didn't know anybody wanted anything I had to offer. Um, so I said, sure, I'll do it. And then, of course, that gave me the, the courage to try something else. And I tried to California Baptist University. And they offered me a position as well. I thought, whoa, okay. You know, I mean, and they said, you can choose the day you are going to do. I said, well, there are five days in a week. So let me try another one. And I tried University of um, Laverne and, and got position. And I thought, okay, um, this is not bad. <laughs> you know, so of course, I, I tried uh, Brandman University the first year, but I had somebody who didn't want me to get, get in. Mm. So she, she blocked it. Wow. You know, so when she was let go, I applied again and I got in. Uh, and that has been one of my best um, uh, experience, just going in and helping teachers when they get become want to be teachers mm-hmm. going into you know share with them you know some of the things that has helped me as a teacher mm-hmm. or has helped me as an administrator because any teacher who who is hired is going to require being uh, observed by their superior right I wanted them to know what they need to take care of so that they will at least be assured um, a position after they become they finish their student teaching or their internship, and then um, five years ago, I somebody a few te- two teachers approached me and they asked me if I would like to run for the school board, and I said school board why why would you even think that? And they say well if you're interested you know this posi- this is coming up and blah 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 and I said okay I'll, I'll try it you know there's you you don't fail until you try. Right. Right. You know, so you had to, you know, go in and give it a try. So I did. Um, and um, I put in my paperwork, but my child was having a ha- having her first child in Texas. So I left everything and headed to Texas and came back um, just a few weeks before the election was supposed to you know to be held mm-hmm. and um and everybody says what are you doing I said you know I I'm on social media they, they're gonna do it off social media I don't know how to do it I've never you know and I came from a political family so so in what this is just some one of those things that you're not sure of but you also want to continue to serve mm-hmm. you know I always tell people I enjoy service. Mm-hmm. I enjoy serving people. I enjoy taking care of people. I enjoy um, being in the background and people not knowing who I really am mm-hmm. and helping. You know, I have no problem. I would get in a car and buy groceries and go from, you know, um, encampment to encampment, giving away food to people. Mm-hmm. And people never get to know who I am because that's just who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I won that election, I thought, now what? You know, and they said, well, now use your voice the way you have always used it in as a teacher, as an administrator, as a coordinator, as a use that same voice. Mm-hmm. So I had to tell people who have considered my family to keep me grounded. Mm-hmm. I have had to say to them, if you see me thinking I'm important, remind me. Bring me back down because you're only, you know, um, in in my family, they says power belongs to the people, not you. Mm-hmm. If, if the people give you the power, then you exercise it. 
but don't lord it over them. When you lord it over them, that's where you begin to create revolt. You have yes. people that are, are eye servants. I'd rather just tell you how I feel than to, for me to, when when I see you, I straighten myself up. Uh, and then as soon as you leave, you go, okay, they're gone. Um, so this is my second year of, um, second term as a school board member, uh, trustee. And I think it's very interesting because I am the first and only black person on the Apple Valley School Board. And, uh, and I don't take that lightly, um, but I always say to myself, I'm, I know I am black, but my job is to service all kids, black, white, red, and yellow, all of yes, them, service all of them. Yes. Uh, because I, I don't shy away from, from going to places that I'm not welcome. Uh, because I think that they may not welcome me because they don't know me, but once they know me, they will welcome me. Yes, they will. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Maria, you have done so many incredible things for the children here in the high desert and for the adults as well. And that's that's why even though you and I had never taught at the same school, everybody in the district knew who you were because of the good deeds that you did for everyone. It was for, you know, if you were fighting for a cause, it wasn't just for you in your classroom or even you in your school. It was for the entire school district. Yeah. And that's how everyone got to know you and knew that you were a crusader for the good of the children in our school district. And that, I, I mean, it was a no-brainer that that the people of Apple Valley would vote you in to be a board member because they knew what your track record was as far as doing so much good in the school district that why not have you be on the school board to take it to the next level to once again, help an entire district of schools. And you you performed that duty very well and you are very serious about it as you should be. And uh, I think some remarkable things have taken place over the last five years that you have been a part of that school board. So congratulations yeah. to you. I hope it stays that way because I think our children deserve the absolute best. They don't have to go to Ivy League um, elementary school, Ivy League middle school, Ivy League high school. I think our kids deserve that. They, oh, they, yeah. At least that's the least we can do. Um, the least we can do is to give them the, the, um, the state of the art of whatever mm -hmm. that is, whatever money can buy, um, and we can afford it. I think that's what we need to give our children um, because our children are our future. Oh, yes. are people that will pay us uh, uh, retirement, that will pay our social security. If we don't take care of them, there'll be nothing left behind. Uh, I want our children to be able to, um, um, to compete in the, in the international um, arena. Um, mm -hmm. Anything that's out there, I was just blown away. Our students just recently went to Skills USA um, in um, in Atlanta, and and they they actually medaled. Wow! God, now that is something to shout about. Um, who would have thought? It, no, this is not Apple Valley, Minnesota. This right. is Apple Valley, California. Mm -hmm. uh, and our children and and I I you know even though I I say so much about our children, we always have to remember that they had people behind them that paved the way. Yes. They had these teachers who go day in, day out to to empower those children. I could be in a classroom and choose not to share my knowledge. Mm -hmm. But those teachers get up every morning and they go to share their knowledge. It's right. not all in the textbook. It is who they are as individuals. The children begin to have relationships with these teachers. And once you have relationship with your teacher, you do the best you can to make them proud of you. Mm -hmm. yes. and, and as we begin to do those, we also have to keep in mind that every morning, their parents woke them up and got them ready to go to our schools. Mm -hmm. And we cannot forget those parents as well. Right. And there, there's a partnership. There's, there, there's this um, connectiveness that is involved 
in being able to hold everybody together to make it work so that on the last day in May or whatever, whatever time that we have for graduation and we celebrate these children's accomplishment, that we celebrate also those teachers and we celebrate the adults, mm -hmm. the adults in the background. We celebrate, many of those children have challenges. We saw that during COVID. Oh, yes. Because during COVID, I will observe teachers teaching. When teachers, school ended on March 13th, on March, the very next school day, teachers were teaching using methods they didn't learn in the university. Right. Yeah. And those children were using computers they never knew they could even have in the home. Mm -hmm. I absolutely was stunned to see that a child was willing to learn in a house and the house was noisy and the kid got in an empty bathtub with the shower curtain closed to learn. Oh my goodness. And I'm watching from my point of my vantage point and I'm thinking, and this is the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Well, with that, Maria, what would you say that is currently your passion, both personally and professionally? My, let me start with my personal. Okay. <laughs> my personal passion is to draw closer and closer to God. Mm -hmm. That is my, my absolute personal. Um, I am, I let people know um, that I'm not just uh, a believer in who God is, but I am his ambassador. Mm -hmm. And when I say, I'm, when you know that when you slap an ambassador, you have slapped a country. Mm -hmm. So when, when I say I, am rep I represent God, I really represent him in all that I do. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say to myself, I don't want God to look away from me because of my behavior. Right. I want him to continue to give me the strength to move on, to do all I can for humanity. Mm -hmm. So that's my personal passion. Excellent. My professional passion um, is, is to make sure that when I encounter people, that's when I encounter people, that I have an open mind to learn all I can about that person. And, and that person keeps an open mind to learn all they can about me. Mm, very good. And you do really well with that too. Yeah. So what would you say is your purpose personally and professionally? My purpose to wake up every day with a smile and gratitude. <laughs> Love that. Your H-A-P-P-Y. My H-A-P-P-Y sounds like Disneyland. I know my daughter, when she was young uh, and she was learning the song about M-O-U-S-C. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. And she never knew that it was M-O-U-S-C and she would say it was home of USA. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so um, I have, you know, this country has been good to me in more ways than I can imagine. It has opened my eyes um, to things I used to take for granted. Mm -hmm. And it has also taught me um, to be tolerant. Mm -hmm. okay. It has taught me, you know, to be really tolerant of um, uh, judgments. Mm -hmm. You know, um, to hear people and still say to myself, I hear you, but that's not what it is. Right. And to be able to hold your own, you, you have to be able to get to a point where if you know what you know, there is no turning away from it. Mm -hmm. 
So if I see that some wrong is being done, and I know that some wrong is being done, I have absolutely no problem to stand alone. Mm -hmm. I would rather stand alone than be in the valley of people who are cheerleaders for what is wrong. Good for you. Excellent. So Maria, what would you say is your superpower? Let's see. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I, I think is the charm. Oh, the, yeah, it, that's true. I, I think, you know, when people know me, that my, it's a laughter. I, I, yeah. When I laugh, it's, it's almost contagious. I, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't mind laughing out loud, even when it's not allowed, <laughs> because I figured that the moment I finish laughing out loud, you can't put it back. That's right. <laughs> it's already been done. You know, so um, I do laugh out, laugh a lot. Um, it's important. You know, so uh, because I, I think by doing so, you just get rid of the wrinkles that talks about who you are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we're ending. Our, we're getting close to the end of our time. With that said, do you have any last words of wisdom or thoughts that you would like to share one last time with our audience? I think there is so much power in who you are. Harness it. Mm. Yes, definitely. Well, I have to tell you, Maria, this has been a very wonderful time with you. And I know that you were you've been so nervous about sharing this and you are just a pro and your story is absolutely wonderful because once again, you had all of these challenges throughout your life and you never let one of those challenges stop you from pursuing the things that you wanted to do in your life, whether it was getting your children back or becoming a teacher or learning the language, all of these things, you did not let any of them stop you. And those of you that are listening out there, that's just a good reminder to all of us that, you know, when we have those bad days or we come to those roadblocks or challenges, you know, sometimes it's just that we need to stop and we need to think about the situation and perhaps take a few minutes, a few moments just to think about what our options are. And if it really is truly that important to you, you don't let anybody or anything stop you. Isn't that right, Maria? That's so correct. You know, think of the life as, think of world as, as a salad bowl, not a melting pot. Um, mm -hmm. Don't lose yourself in it. You know, um, a melting pot, you lose who you are in it. Mm -hmm. As a salad bowl, you still have your individuality. And, um, and just throw in harmony, throw in love, throw in whatever it is that's your dressing and your salad bowl, but allow yourself to stay the individual in your life. Another wonderful analogy. I'm telling you, Maria, you, I, I'm just like, wow, I'm glad this is all getting recorded so I can go back and I can write all these things down because they're, they are, they're solid gold, girl. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to close this out. And I want to thank you once again, Maria, for being my guest on Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose. You are someone who uh, fills me with joy and love and friendship and family and sisterhood. And I'm so glad that uh, that we have connected on a different higher level over this past year. And I know that that's just going to continue to grow stronger uh, each each time we get together. And I love that. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get a hold of Maria, uh, you can actually get a hold of her through me first, and then I will get in touch with you. Is that how you would want people to contact you, Maria? Yes. Excellent. Okay. And I will have as my, I always do my information in the bio in the description. Uh, and in case you are listening, it is www.pathwayswithpatty.org. And then I can get in touch with Maria and then connect you with her if you would like to know more of her story or to share a little of your story with her. Uh, she is a wonderful person, as you can tell, that is willing to help anyone that is in need. Uh, she definitely pays it forward and is a person that believes strongly in random acts of kindness. Uh, that's, that's who you are. So, 
we, uh, we, we end this out on a very high note, uh, laughter, smiles, and lots of love. And uh, so don't forget, people, go out there and make it a great day or not, because the choice is yours. Life is an adventure, and I want you to enjoy the journey, because your life matters. Go out there and make it a great day, everyone.